0: Good morning, church. Good morning. What a great morning of worship, of coming in and just setting our minds and our hearts on God and praising him for who he is, for what he's doing in our lives, individually and together as a body of Christ. Uh, This morning, we're continuing this great series called And Be Thankful. Man, what a great series this is. And we're preparing our hearts, not only for Thanksgiving, but that every day of our lives we be a thankful people. That we would wake up and just be thankful that we have breath in our lungs. We have a roof over our head. We have people around us. We have a God who loves us. That we would understand the depth of God's grace in our lives and we would be thankful. Because there's power in thankfulness, as we've seen. There's power to change our attitudes, to change our lives, to, to impact the way that we live. And there's power as we live in the center of God's will. And so God says, I want you to be a thankful people. We talked about being thankful for Christ. And what God has done for us through his son, Jesus, that we have hope, that we have life, that eternity is secure. We've talked about the the power of grace and being thankful for grace. That we didn't earn grace, so we can't lose grace. It's the gift of God, not by works, lest no man should boast. We talked about last week being thankful for peace. And if you missed last week, you need to go back and watch the podcast. Wow, unbelievable. Just being thankful in all circumstances. Because of what we have and who we are in Christ. Being thankful. Today we're talking about being thankful for hope. Hope. I love that word. You know there's power in hope isn't there? I mean there's power in hope. And that God is the one who is the giver of hope. And the giver of life. And whenever you get to a point in your life where you're hopeless. You you know that darkness. You know the the hurt and the pain. You know the, the prison you feel. And yet when there's hope. It seems like everything changes because there's hope. And so today we're going to talk about what that means in our lives, to be thankful for hope. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. We've been walking through this great letter. It was a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. And uh, it's just so powerful because the Apostle Paul is writing from prison. And yet in every chapter, he says, and be thankful, and be thankful, and be thankful. And you're thinking, I mean, Paul, you know, you could be going, God, why am I in jail? I'm a good person. I'm trying to do your will. What's going on? And yet he understood God had a bigger plan. God had a bigger purpose. So he keeps saying, and be thankful, and be thankful, and be thankful. Last week, we uh, were in chapter three, and we finished up in chapter four, verse one. And so we're going to pick up in verse two this morning, and we see this call to thankfulness. And so pick up here in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Right? He keeps coming back to this over and over again. Now, I love that he says, devote yourselves to prayer. To prayer. A lot of times, you know what? Instead of praying, what do we do? We try to fix things, don't we? We're we're fixers. We love to fix things. If something's broken, you know, especially guys, I mean, we're going to fix it. We're going to go in there. We're going to make it happen. And, And yet what Paul says is, wait a minute. Understand this, that it's in Christ that your life will thrive. You don't have to go out and fix everything. See, a lot of times we're into behavior modification, right? I'm going to have peace in my marriage when I can fix my spouse. When they do what I want them to do and I can fix them, you know, then we're going to have peace here and everything's going to be great. I'm going to have peace in my family when I can fix my kids, right? If I can modify their behavior, then everything's going to be great. And so we try that over and over again. I mean, we are in behavior modification mode. I'm going to have peace at work. I mean, things are going to be great at work when I can fix my boss and I can fix my coworkers. And so we go into this behavior modification mode and the apostle Paul comes back and says, whoa, 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 whoa. Devote yourselves to prayer. How about this? (laughs) Understand that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that God is for you, that God wants the best for you, and you live your life and grow deep roots in Christ. And when you grow deep roots in Christ, the fruit's gonna come out. And the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience, the fruit of the Spirit's gonna come out of your life. You devote yourselves to prayer. We're like, well, I don't have time to pray because I'm trying to fix everything over here. (laughs) He's going, whoa, (laughs) wait a minute. So Spend some time in prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Now, I love this. Being watchful because God is moving, right? God is at work. Just open your eyes, look around. God hasn't just, you know, set the world in motion and step back and go, whew, good luck, figure it out, see in heaven. You know what I mean? He's like, no, he is still at work. He is moving in a mighty way, being watchful and thankful. Thankful. And see, here's what thankfulness does in our lives. Thankfulness leads us to hope. You know what we do when we start to be thankful? We're reminded of God's grace in our lives. We're reminded how God has come through in our lives. We're reminded of the past. And when we felt like there was no hope, God answered. And as you and I are thankful, we look back over our lives and we can see his provision. We can see times when we were in trouble and we thought, there is no way out of this. And God came through over and over and over again. And what does that do? It gives us hope for the future. It gives us hope. It it reminds us, hey, God is with me. God is for me. God hasn't forgotten about me. God is sovereign. I can trust him. And so the apostle Paul says, you be people of hope. All of this ties back into Colossians 127 where he says, hey, here's the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That you have hope because of what God is doing in your life. And you think if anybody wouldn't have hope, it would be Paul who would be going, I'm in a Roman prison. I'm in chains. There's no hope for me. I'm not getting out of this, but Paul, no, God's at work. God's doing something bigger than I can see. God is sovereign. He keeps going. He says right here in verse 3, And pray, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I'm in chains. God may open a door. Paul, you're in prison. (laughs) What do you mean, pray that God will open a door? But see, here's what the apostle Paul knew was this. God wasn't finished with him. There was still breath in his lungs. And if there was still breath in his lungs, God still had a plan and a purpose. And the same is true for you. There's still breath in your lungs. God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. God still wants to do something great in you and through you for his glory. God's not finished with any of our stories yet. God is still working in us. And the apostle Paul says, pray for me. Pray for me that there will be a door that will open that I can proclaim the mystery of Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? That's the mystery. And it's for the Jews and the Gentiles. It's for all. Now the door that opened, maybe it was deliverance from prison. But even more so, he knew that being in prison that god was at work and that god was going to use him in a mighty way and he never lost that hope now i don't think the apostle paul knew that you know here two thousand years later um, right here in middle tennessee we'd be studying this letter that he wrote to the church at Galatia. but he just said pray for me that even in the hardships even in the difficulties that god would use me that god would proclaim his glory through me and he keeps going he says hey pray that i proclaim it as clearly as i should You know, pray that God would use me because Paul knew that in Christ is where hope comes from. We throw that word hope around a lot, don't we? You know, I mean, probably this week you've said the word hope a lot, haven't you? I mean, you know, I I mean, I hope this meal turns out. I'm cooking it and it's a new recipe. I hope it comes out. You know, I mean, I really hope it does, right? I I hope this thing's on sale. I'm here at the store and I'm looking around. I hope it has one of those little yellow tags on it. I hope it's on sale. You know, I, I hope this comes through. I hope my team wins. You know, and, and a true fan knows, right? Even if your team is is down by you know six points and and there's ten seconds on the clock and you're on your own twenty, a true fan knows there's still hope, right? I mean, we can throw a hail mary, something can happen. I mean, there is hope. We throw that word around a lot because, see, on the other side of the stands, there are people over there going, "I hope they don't catch this hail mary, right? <laughs> I hope he drops the ball, you know." I mean, but but we throw the word around, hope, but. But sometimes in this world, the hopes don't work out. The past isn't always caught. What about those times? My wife, Lisa, she picked up the girls from school this week and she was... Uh, driving home, and every time they have to say something that was happened to them that was great that day at school. So Grace, you know, is in fifth grade, and then Mabry is in second grade, and Kate is our kindergartner. And so they're in the little minivan, and they're heading home, and they're saying what was great. And Kate was like, I want to say, I want to say. And it was like, not your turn yet, not your turn, you know. And so Grace said what was great about her day, and Mabry says what's great about her day. And then finally, they go, okay, Kate, what was great about your day? And Kate was like, we got ice cream. We're like, that's awesome because the kindergartners don't usually get ice cream, right? You know, but so we got ice cream. She's like, that's great. That's awesome. And she said, yeah, but but I didn't eat it at school. I brought it home. And Lisa said there was this pause in the car, you know, and everybody's like... Lisa goes, I would just hope she's kidding. I hope she's kidding. I hope she's kidding. But when they pulled the backpacks out and ice cream is dripping out of the backpack, she knew her hope was wrong, you know, that it didn't come through. That Katie Kater brought the ice cream home. But sometimes those hopes in this world, they don't come through, do they? But it's always good to have hope, right? It's always good to have hope. But here's the thing about hope. And what's different about us as believers is this. It says in Hebrews chapter six, verse 19. We have this hope. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. Let's, let's say that together. You ready? One, two, three. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. See, our hope isn't just in a five-year-old. Our hope isn't in a football game. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is for sure that God will come through. And I love that. Our hope is firm and secure, an anchor. You know, you think about a big old ship on the ocean and it's being blown and tossed by the waves. And and I mean, it's a massive storm. And what do they say? Well, give up, you know, game over. All right, say goodbye to everybody. No, they say, drop anchor, drop anchor, drop the anchor and it's firm and it's secure. It's gonna hold us in place. And you and I, when we go through those tough times, God just says, drop anchor. Just hold on. I'm not finished with you. I haven't given up on you. Your hope is in me. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We sing it. And now we're called to live it. Our hope is secure. It's in Christ. In Christ alone. That God is for me. That God is with me. Hope is often represented by something tangible. Right? If you see a huge storm and then you look off in the distance and you can see it starting to clear. And you're like, oh, yeah. It's coming. Or maybe in battle. And then you see the flag going up. And you see the flag being raised. Even under the smoke. And you're like wow there's hope. In a marriage. The ring. And you look down even in the hard times. And the difficult times. And you just say there's hope. There's a promise. And it's a covenant in Christ that we made. There's hope. There's hope. And our hope is in Christ. That Christ will come through and he will every single time there is hope. In Hebrews it says this, in Hebrews chapter 10, it tells us in verse 25, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. I love that. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. You know, a lot of times we're kind of, I believe, and then we're off over here, you know, trying to fix things, right? I I believe, God, you can do this. And then we're over here trying to modify everybody's behavior, you know, and try to get people under control. I believe, and he's like, oh, just hold on. Hold on to God. Trust him. Live your life in the confidence that he is for you. Live the life in confidence that he hasn't given up on you. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. that's so true, isn't it? I mean, God always comes through. God always comes through. I mean, you think about that. The crucifixion, Jesus on the cross, it was Friday. All hope was gone. Looked like Satan had won. They're having a party down in hell. They're high-fiving everybody. We dominated, we got this. (laughs) And God's going, no, you don't. Sunday's coming. Just wait. Here we go. Jesus is alive. The same God and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's available to us. He says, let us hold unswervingly to this hope we profess. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. And all the more as we see the day, and in Hebrews that day is capitalized, as we see the day approaching. And The apostle Paul says, hey, our light of momentary troubles." They're achieving for us an eternal reward that far outweighs them all. Hey, don't just think that this life is all that there is. There is more to come. There is more to come. And the best is yet to be. So you hold on to God. You trust in him. You follow him. You live your life for him. Because his hope is sure and secure. Hold on. Wow, keep going back to Colossians here. It picks up and Paul says, hey, pray that I may may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. See, what the Apostle Paul says is that you and I then become dispensers of hope. In a world that's desperate for hope, you and I, because of the grace of God in us, become dispensers of hope. Of seeing people and the needs around us and that we speak hope when we speak truth. When I was growing up, my favorite candy was uh, this, Pez. Anybody else like Pez? Anybody a Pez fan? Awesome. Thank you. Good. Let's get a little worried there. Uh, But Pez is great, you know, because they have all kinds of like, you know, little things here. And this is Goofy, right? And uh, there's Phineas and Ferb, there's Star Trek, there's Star Wars. There's all kinds of things that you can order. But the great part about Pez is every time you open his mouth, what comes out? Some goodness, right? I mean, it's just sweet. It is goodness. It is awesome. You open it again more goodness I mean every single time you open that mouth and there is something sweet coming out what about you and me what comes out of our mouth every time you open your mouth every time I open my mouth what comes out are we people who dispense hope are we people who dispense discouragement are we people who dispense thankfulness See, in our lives, the Apostle Paul says, you make the most of every opportunity. You become a dispenser of hope. Then, whenever your conversation, let it be full of grace. Season with salt. Salt makes everything better, doesn't it? I mean, I love putting salt in stuff. It just brings the flavor out of it. You know, I know it's not good for you, but boy, it just makes everything better. I mean, it's just good. And he's like, you ought to be those people. Then your conversation in the way that you live, in the way that you work, in the way that you serve, in your life, you ought to be a dispenser of hope. Are you a dispenser of hope in your family? Hey guys, this can be alright. God's with us. God's for us. God believes us. Are you a dispenser of hope in your workplace? Are you a dispenser of hope in your, in your neighborhood? Are you a dispenser of hope? That's what I love about what God's doing here at Rolling Hills and just seeing as people go out to serve. Uh, we had a disciple now this weekend our middle school and high school students and so they're probably uh, all asleep right now but you know they've been up all night but yesterday they just went out in the community and, and and their assignment was go bless somebody and i heard about a group of of young men who went over to uh to dunkin donuts and asked the manager is there somebody here who who we can just bless he went in the back and he brought out one of his employees and She barely spoke any English, but obviously she was going through a difficult time. And and, and these middle school boys just kind of circled around and and they prayed over her and then they gave her some money and just blessed her that day. And they said she just started to tear up. And I just thought, wow, here's some some kids who get it. Man, I could just make a difference. We have a mission team down in the Amazon going up and down and and they, they get on the boat and they sleep in hammocks and they go from one village to the next village just dispensing hope. Hey, there's a God, he sees you. And we come to bless you. We come to help you. We're going to drill a well. We're going to help you right now in your place. But we could do that every day. The Apostle Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. As the holidays approach, that you and I look around and just say, God made me a dispenser of hope. God just made me a pez dispenser. I just open up, you know, and just hope comes out, right? Goodness comes out of my life. Even when I'm tired, even when I'm frustrated, God, that I dispense thankfulness and hope in my life the Apostle Paul, he keeps going here, and he comes to kind of the final greetings. And what he does is he just expresses thanks and dispenses hope. Now, a lot of times when we get to kind of these Pauline letters, we get to the last parts, and we're like, ah, eh, kind of skip over that, right? Because, you know, all the meat is before here, and now we get to the last part, and, you know, I can't pronounce any of these names anyway. So, uh, but you know what the Apostle Paul does? He identifies ten different people. Ten different people. Right here, that he just expresses thanks to, and he dispenses hope to, and I love that. I love that. You know, there's power when 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 people just thank you. In there, when somebody writes you a note, or when somebody encourages you, or somebody speaks a word of truth in your life, I mean, you just does something to you, doesn't it? Last week, after the service, uh, this boy came up with his dad, and he's a third grader, and he had written a card, I guess, in Sunday school. it just said, thank you. You know, it's the way to go to Sunday school teachers. But, you know, he just said, here you go. And it says, dear Pastor Jeff, and I'm just so thankful for this church. And I just looked at him and I looked at his parents and I just thought, wow, I mean, God is working in their lives. I've seen their spiritual journey and where they are. And I just was like, that was awesome. You know, I started to cry. I was like, thank you. Thank you. There's power in that. And you and I have that opportunity. And the Apostle Paul took that opportunity right here. Now, I'm going to read through some of these names. If you're taking notes in your worship guide, you may want to just write down one word that would describe this person. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the people in your life. Think about the people in your life. That God may put somebody on your heart today for you to dispense hope, for you to express thankfulness. So here he goes. Ticketus, he says, Ticketus, he will tell you all about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Ticketus, okay, here's what I want you to write. Just, just, just write faithful. Faithful. Ticketus was like one of Paul's best friends. This was a guy who was constantly with him. You can go read Ephesians 6. But he was just always there for Paul. Do you have somebody like that in your life? You have a best friend? You have somebody who's just there for you. I mean, when times are hard or times are great, man, they're just faithful. Have you told them thanks lately? Have you blessed them lately? Have you encouraged them lately? He keeps going. He says, he's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. And they will tell you everything that's happening here. Now, Onesimus, this is a pretty cool story, but this guy was a slave. You know, different nationality, different race. So you, you might just write the word brother here because something amazing happens in this guy's life. He's a slave and he runs away from his owner. His owner's name was a guy named Philemon. And if you notice, there's a book in the Bible named, you know, called Philemon. And the apostle Paul, you know, has the opportunity to meet Onesimus and he leads him to Christ. And so now Onesimus knows Jesus and the apostle Paul tells him, hey, you go back to your owner, Philemon, because you're different. And then he writes this letter to Philemon and he says, hey, take this with you. Hey, Philemon, this guy's coming to you. He's not a slave anymore. He's a brother. He's a brother. He knows Jesus. Is there somebody in your life that, man, you've just seen God do a transformation in their life? and maybe you had the opportunity to share with them about christ or maybe you invited them to church but but they've given their life to jesus and they're a they're brother now they're growing in the lord and, and god is calling you just to speak a word of hope or to encourage them or to thank them hey that's what onesimus was he's a brother in christ oh he says my fellow prisoner aristarchus he sends you greetings aristarchus i love this you, you can just write this word consistent if you go into the book of Acts and you start reading about this guy, he's always with Paul. He's just always with him. And when times are hard or difficult, he says, my fellow prisoner, this guy's in prison with Paul right now. Are there people in your life who are just consistent? Maybe your parents. <laughs> Maybe you were blessed to grow up in a godly home and, and your parents, man, they were just faithful. They were consistent. Have you thanked them lately? <laughs> Have you just said, you know what? You made a difference in my life. You're making a difference in generations. Or maybe you just had a friend and and you you don't see this person very often, but every time you get with them, it's like you just, you haven't missed anything. You pick right back up. You know what I'm talking about? You just finish each other's sentences and you just kind of keep going. Consistent. We need those people in our life. Aristarchus was one of those guys. You could just write consistent. Oh, he says also, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Now, I love this guy, Mark. Mark... You can write this word redeemed, redeemed. Because if you go to Acts 15, Barnabas and Paul are going on a mission trip, their first mission journey. And and Barnabas says, hey, let's take my cousin, Mark. And so Mark kind of hops on board and goes with him. And then about halfway through the mission trip, it gets really hard and difficult. And Mark just says, peace out, man. I'm going back home. I'm homesick. And he bails on him and he takes off. Well, now they're getting ready to go on a second mission trip. And you know, Barnabas and Paul are gearing up and they're getting ready to go out, and Barnabas says, Hey, let's let's take Mark again. And, and Paul's like, No way. The guy left us high and dry, we're not taking him. And this sharp disagreement breaks out so much that Barnabas goes one way and Paul goes another way. But you know what? God doesn't let Paul just be bitter against Mark. You know what? Paul starts to pray for him and encourage him, and, and Mark becomes helpful to Paul. If you go into 2 Timothy, you can read that. And this same Mark is the same one who wrote the gospel of Mark. God wasn't finished with him. God redeemed him. Are there somebody in your life who maybe you need to forgive? and Maybe they wronged you at some point. And maybe today you just need to say, hey, I, I just want to speak a word of hope into your life because Jesus is my hope. He said you will receive instructions about him if he comes to you. Welcome him. Don't you love that? Welcome him. I'm not, I'm not going to, turn him down because he messed up in the past Uh, there's grace here welcome him jesus who is called justice also sends his greetings now i like this guy jesus called justice because probably what happened jesus was kind of a common name back then and and this guy comes to know christ and gives his life to christ he's going i don't want to be called jesus anymore you know (laughs) so hey call me justice all right but but you just write the word humble humble and i think about people like that in our lives. you know, people you look past and maybe they're your, your, your child's Sunday school teacher or maybe they're their teacher at school or maybe it's a coach or maybe it's somebody and you kind of take them for granted. I mean, they're just always there, right? But, but they're speaking hope and they're speaking truth into your life or into your kid's life. And who are those people in your life? Jesus called justice. <laughs> he sends greetings. These are the only Jews among the fellow workers for the kingdom of God and, and they've proved a comfort to me. Epaphras? Epaphras is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings. Now, Epaphras, you you can just write this prayer. Because this guy was a prayer warrior. If you go back to Colossians chapter 1, you remember Epaphras was the guy who really planted the church there in Colossae. He accepted Christ under Paul's ministry in Ephesus. He went back home and he wanted to tell his family and his friends all about Jesus. And so a church starts there at Colossae. And this guy, it says, Epaphras, he's always wrestling in prayer for you. That you may stand firm in the will of God. Mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you. And for those in Laodicea and Aeropolis. It, who's in your life who prays for you? Who prays for you? And maybe it's a, a spiritual leader in the past. Maybe it was a, a youth pastor or a pastor or somebody. I was over... Uh, with some friends the other night uh, people from our church and he was in a bad accident and we were there we were praying together with him and with his family and he received a phone call and it was the pastor who, who married him and his wife 18 years ago and this pastor was like in his 80s but he just heard that he was hurt he called him he said I've been praying for you I've been praying for you and he's like I can't believe that who are the people who pray for you? oh he says hey our dear friend Luke the doctor and Luke I, l- I love Luke and write by Luke, you can write mentor, mentor. Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. And he could have stayed back, you know, in Jerusalem and made a lot of money and set up a practice and just done really well. And, uh, but you know what? Luke not only met physical needs, he met spiritual needs. And so Luke traveled around with the Apostle Paul. And he was kind of that doctor, that mentor. He took care of him physically, but also spiritually. Aren't you thankful for people like that in your life? You have a mentor. You have somebody who speaks to you. This is the same Luke who wrote the gospel of Luke and also the book of Acts, by the way. <laughs> Pretty powerful, right? And Demas, Demas sends greetings. Demas, you could just write present. We don't know a whole lot about Demas. We know later on that Demas kind of deserts Paul, but, but maybe Demas came back. Maybe he was one of those guys who kind of in his life, out of his life, you know. Maybe he was kind of growing his faith, but not really. He was just kind of on the edge and, and Paul's waiting for him to step over that line. Maybe you have some people like that in your life. Who's that? He says, after this letter has been read to you, see that you also read it to the church in Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from the Laodicean. Oh, last guy, right? Tell Archippus, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. Now Archippus, you you can write this. You can just write mission, mission. Because this guy was on a mission with him. He was on a mission with him. And he went with him. Now, I skipped over a lady named Nympha. But I want to kind of finish with her because Nympha was the one who hosted the church in her home in Laodicea. She was the small group leader. Have you ever thanked your small group leaders if you're in a small group? You know, they, they set up the house every week. They clean it. They prepare a lesson. Have you ever just said thank you for the difference that they made? So Paul goes through all these people and he just kind of says, hey, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he dispenses hope. And then he says in verse 18, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. What does that mean? He wrote a handwritten note. A lot of people believe that the apostle Paul was struggling with with his sight. Uh, When it talks about the thorn in his flesh, a lot of people believe that Paul was going blind. And so he traveled around, there was a scribe with him who would write down things. But Paul says, no, I wrote this with my own hand. I wrote a thank you note. I want you to know how important you are. I want to dispense hope to you. When you came in this morning, hopefully you received a card and uh, it looks like this. It has the artwork on it. Would you just pull that out if you received this card right now? Um, here's what we're going to do today since Thanksgiving is coming up. I want to encourage you this morning to write a handwritten thank you note to somebody. And maybe it's one of the people that got brought to mind as we were walking through this list of names but this is, this is a cool-looking card. I'm telling you, it looks like Hallmark. I mean, it's like unbelievable, so nice. And it just says, thankful for you today. And if you'll pull that out, there ought to be a pen on a chair around you somewhere. We put pins out, and you, hopefully you have a card. And if you will just write a note to them, and we're going to mail it for you. In fact, today, after the service, when you leave at Info Central, we have a stamp for you. So you can stamp it if you know their address. We have a mailbox out there. We will mail this card for you and make sure it gets there in time for Thanksgiving. But as we are thankful to God, we become dispensers of hope. We become dispensers of being thankful. Now, maybe today you don't know exactly who you're going to write. Maybe today you're praying and saying, God, give me a revelation. You know, who do you want me to thank? But I want to challenge you. Stop by, get a stamp, put the stamp on it. But at some point this week, Write a note. We have some extra notes out there because you're probably thinking in your mind, I got a lot of people. I don't know who to think. I can't, you know, run them all down. But do it because it makes a difference. It will make a difference And you and I become those dispensers of hope. You and I become people who express thankfulness. So take your time and do that this week. The Apostle Paul concludes this letter and he says two things. And I think this is so powerful. Number one, he says this, remember my chains. Remember my chains. And what is he saying? He's saying, guys, I'm here in prison and I'm thankful. (laughs) You're not in prison. (laughs) You have an opportunity to live a life of thanksgiving. You have an opportunity to be thankful every day of your life. So focus on Christ, who is the one who is with you. You know, focus on the grace that you've received. Focus on the peace that you've received. And then he could close by just saying, grace be with you. Grace be with you. And you and I are thankful when we begin to live in the grace of God. When no longer are we looking for the approval of everybody else, of what people say about us. No longer our self-worth and our value comes from, hey, how people respond to me today. But my worth and my value comes as I live my life for the glory of God. As I live in Christ, knowing that I am a new creation in him, knowing that God is for me, knowing that God wants the best for me, then I can be thankful. And out of my thankfulness, I can dispense thankfulness and hope. So for you and I, I think the Apostle Paul would say, hey, grow deep roots. Grow deep in Christ. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. Hold on to Jesus with everything you have and allow fruit to come out of your life. Dispense grace. Dispense peace. Dispense hope to a world in desperate need because you are servants of Jesus. And be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. Are you thankful today? You came in this morning and all the hustle and bustle of getting ready and being at church on time and it's raining, it's cold. Are Are you thankful today? Are you thankful for God's grace? Are you thankful for God's goodness? Because God is here and he loves you. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Just between you and God. Just between you and him. Maybe you even had time to pray this morning. It's been so busy, so crazy. Right now, would you just just say God thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your son Jesus. Thank you that I have eternal hope that's secure. Thank you for the joy and the peace that comes in Christ. Thank you for salvation. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. I mean, why not today? As God draws you to himself and invites you into that relationship with him, most important decision you'll ever make. God, I'm yours, wholly and completely. Maybe today is a day just to be thankful. Not only for Christ, but for the people around you. If you're married, are you thankful for your spouse? (laughs) Have you told them lately? If you're a parent, are you thankful for your kids? Have you told them lately? Are you thankful for your roommates? Are you thankful for your parents? Are you thankful for a job and your coworkers? Father God, here we are today, your people, your disciples. And Father God, we have so much for which to be thankful. God, we could spend all morning counting our blessings, God, that you have lavished on us. And so today we come with just a grateful heart. And we thank you first and foremost for Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who endured the cross for us. That we might have that relationship with you. We thank you, God, that we can call you Father, Abba, Daddy, that you know every hurt and need in our life, and God, that you never let us go. That our hope is an anchor in you. God, I thank you for your church and the way you're moving among us, and your presence is here. We thank you for the people around us, God. And I pray today, God, that we would be dispensers of hope. Full of joy, full of grace. And that it would just overflow on everyone around us. Out of what you're doing in our life. Father, as we have the opportunity this week to, to write thank you notes. As we have the opportunity this week to bless people around us. As we have the opportunity this week. I pray that, God, we would make the most of it. And that our conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt. And that we would proclaim Christ, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so, Lord, we love you. We thank you for this morning to reorder our lives around you. And we give you praise in the precious, holy, beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Oh, wow.